Yes. Great yes. stuff happening in the Olympics. So, oh, I'm so glad Lyle's not here. Then we get to talk about it. <laughs> so, Why is he like the Olympics? I mean, it's... I don't know. He's like, oh, it's silly. I'm like, firstly, that's unpatriotic. Secondly, this is dumb. It's like the Olympics represents like the peak of human condition. It's like, it's amazing. It's you so get to see all these sports you've never seen, like lawn yeah. bowls and those sorts of things. Well, they just, <laughs> dude, Olympic skateboarding. That's right. Olympic That's on today. Skateboarding. No, well, actually, they've already won. Oh, ma- oh. Maybe, oh, maybe they're doing like the other classes. They've already had like the first um, category of it run and won. And it was won by a Japanese guy. And uh, what's his name? Yuto Horigami or whatever? Yep. Dude, he, oh, yeah, he's a star. He smoked him. It was awesome. It's also an Australian from Mansfield in it, when understood. So. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, man. It's actually interesting watching the skateboarding and the, compared to the other sports where they, you know, they're, they're, it's such such a professional atmosphere. And then, like, skateboarders, they're wearing, like, like country-branded, like, <laughs> their country's branded jeans and, like, a baggy T-shirt and everything yep. competing at the Olympics. Like, you know, versus, you know, go watch the cycling or whatever and they've got, like, skin-tight suits Professional on. Professional like, yeah. yeah, whereas, like, yeah, the, uh, the particularly guys from Brazil are wearing, like, these big baggy pants. I'm like, that's, um, that's like, the best thing ever. Well, what it means is that anyone can have a go. If, if you're good at your sport, you yeah. can have a go. Oh. The Olympics does. It brings everyone together. It does. Even, and even afterwards, then you have the um, Paralympics, which is just... Oh, good to watch as well. Just... The basketball, wheelchair basketball. Oh, Amazing. That's incredible. That is so gnarly to watch. It's like they're really putting in. All right. It's all right. We have a couple text messages to talk about. Uh, first one here I've got. Well done, the cabbies. This is in relationship to your story that you shared about the uh, the cabbies who are doing free Oh, the cabbies rides. in Geelong. Yeah. Yes. Amazing stuff. Uh, well done, cabbies. You are a real blessing to society, especially those in need. Yes, it's a great yes. thing to see because usually, and then I'm, if, maybe if you're a cabbie and you're listening, I'm not trying to call you out, but usually I get really exploited by cabbies. <laughs> nah, it's like in terms of like you know, cabs are expensive. Oh man, but but no, it's really cool that they're doing this and and awesome work. Just you know, really supporting people in need in quite a dire time as well that we're that we're facing. All right, next text. This is a bit of a heavy one. Here we go. People are very divided on the issue of COVID and vaccines. This is kind of in relation to all the, all oh, the stuff we're you, talking about. Social media, you know, either, there's no middle ground here. You're mm. either for it or against it. And mm. it brings out the worst in people, in my opinion. And I love, <laughs> I love this point because it's saying people are becoming divided. It's becoming toxic and dangerous. I, I think that some people relish in the division. Some people want to see the division. Some people are like, we need to stand for the division. We need to, you know. Yeah. It, but this calls it how it is. It's it's toxic and dangerous, and that's what we're seeing. There's literally division, uh, particularly over the last year, not only with COVID, but with the race issues, all these things. Facebook divides, not brings together, yeah. or social media does, and mm. um, that's my biggest thing is um, people go down rabbit holes, and when they get down those rabbit holes, it divides even further, and, yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's not bringing people together. Put it that way. Check this out. Some preachers and politicians are calling not being vaccinated a sin. Wow, a new definition for sin? Just imagine the hate against Sabbath keepers in the the future. Um, So, brief mention there of the Sabbath, and obviously for us, we're Seventh-day Adventists, and so that's something that we look at as Seventh-day Adventists. We we, um, see in the Bible the... um, Religious persecution that will come from, you know, government organizations and whatnot at the end of time. And we see Sabbath as an issue there, but we're already seeing it briefly in this idea of, of, uh, COVID restriction. Uh, but the thing that needs to be said is like that, you know, 
following a public health order is not persecution. That's right. Like, We're not there yet. <laughs> no. But this point that they're making, that preachers and politicians are calling not being vaccine a sin... Like, uh, no, now no, that, no, no. okay, so we're going to be in our Bible study talking about when Jesus was accused of being a blasphemer, but that is definitely blaspheming. Um, the pulpit's not the spot to be saying those sorts of things. 100%. Um, mm. but, but my advice is go, to, go, don't listen to your preacher, go talk to your GP, get the best health advice you can get, and make your decision based on that. Yeah, but and this is something that is encouraged by God. Obviously, to not make God out of doctors or, or whatever it may be, but to to be informed, to right, make to right. use our brains to make smart decisions. Also, you know, of course, under the guise, or, or under the guide of the Holy Spirit, under the submission that we have to God, um, as He has shown us His amazing love and grace for us, and we respond in, in submitting to Him um, and wanting to live a life for Him and be a follower of Him. Um, let's try to do that by being well informed. By That's doing it. our research and making um, smart decisions for ourselves, instead of you know calling people who don't have the vaccine sinners, and uh, you know maybe you know uh, causing division and anger and divisiveness. I found it good sometimes just take a break from social media um, because of the it leaves you feeling like on it leaves you feeling depressed sometimes, it leaves you feeling stressed and anxious. Um, I don't need those feelings, so sometimes I'd say I'm going outside, have a break, yeah. not going near it. Yeah, if, if anything, you say sometimes we need that rest. And ah. that leads us perfectly into our Bible study this morning. We are um, continuing with the topic of rest. This has been what our whole... Uh, we, we do. We are part of a Bible study series. It's the 20, 20 million, million movement. movement. 20 million people all around the world studying the same passages of Scripture. And this quarter, the lesson has been on rest um, and rest from all kinds of things. Last week, we talked about the story of David and Bathsheba and how he felt rest from how he found rest from sin essentially um and his grave sin how he found rest from guilt rest from his guilty conscience um and and how you know god was able to help him through that and we're going to start by going to maybe one of the uh most quoted one of the well it's one of the most famous verses in the bible um and it's you know featuring this idea this concept and this word um of of rest um, that we can receive. So let's read Matthew. Let's just straight up just read Matthew eleven twenty eight. Give it, give it to us. Okay, you guys, straight to twenty eight. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give the context and give the verse. We're going to give the verse first. Here it yeah. is. Then Jesus said, "Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest." Mm, that's a powerful promise. I think this is a promise that has extended into so many Christians' lives. Also, one of the most quoted promises is yeah. this one. You know, yeah. you have like uh, John three sixteen. That's like a one. Like um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I'll John say fourteen one to three. Yeah, those, those <laughs> kinds of things. The, this verse is in the upper echelon of famous. We've been Bible in the top verses. ten promises Easy, easily, <laughs> easily, um, and because it it offers us so much. It's like it's you know as people who live in this restless world, this very difficult world. Divided uh, world. Divided world with many challenges. It's saying it, it, it does two things. It identifies that those challenges exist. Yep. And then it says that it has a solution for them. Yes. Which, yes. Which is like exactly what we need to hear. It doesn't ignore the challenges of the world. It doesn't close its eyes to the ta- challenges of the world. It says, no, you are weary. You are heavy laden. You are hurting. 
and I can give Come you Come to me and you will find the rest you need. You will find the rest. But often, and what we're going to be kind of mentioning today is that we don't look at this verse in context, um, particularly in the person that Jesus was and the kind of um, dealings that he had with people because it seems like, you know, Jesus is offering us rest here. But he was very contentious as a person. Um, and, and if you were standing beside Jesus at the time that he said this, maybe you would think like, Where did that come from? Yeah, are you really the guy that I'm going to go to to get rest? Um, in Matthew 11 particularly goes into this, but I think what would be best is if we went back a couple of chapters and really saw the way that Jesus interacted with the world around him at the time. Obviously, Jesus is amazing, loving character that we identify, but he had a lot of run-ins, a lot of issues in the in all kinds of arenas, in the religious le- uh, arena, in the political arena. Like, he was a contentious guy. Who, you know, like, man, the disciples must have been really under it following this guy around. Yet now he's offering the rest. (laughs) We're going to have a look at that right now. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, we're going to go to uh, Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to start reading probably, like, Darren, if you can read a considerable passage of that, maybe like verse... One, two, six, I would say. Let's set the context. So this is is just back a couple of chapters. Jesus Mm. climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. Mm. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Mm. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen, and they praised God for sending a man with such great authority. Wow. Okay, so just a few things to point out here. All right, like Jesus rocks up in this town, or he's come back to his own city. Um, paralyzed man is brought before him. He's He's got reputation by this point, essentially. People know who Jesus is. They know what he's about. They know that he's preaching, he's healing, he's doing amazing things. And so they bring him a paralyzed man. Was this a bit of a setup, do you think, maybe? Yeah, well... Let's find uh, someone and see uh, what Jesus does. Potentially. <laughs> but they bring him a paralyzed man, and he says, you know, the son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. Now, it's important to note that Jesus is the only person who has ever existed who could have said this. That's right. Because he is literally God. Like, he's the only one. Because it wasn't No that, one else who gives sins, anyway. You know, obviously, <laughs> you know, if I was counselling someone or whatever, and they were like, oh, you know, I've committed a grave sin, and, and I've repented, you can say to them, oh, your sins are, like, God has forgiven you. Yeah. But Jesus himself is forgiving this man, which is something that only God can do, which we know. So you see why some of the religious leaders were looking at saying, hang on, what's going on here? But yeah, they respond in verse 3. In my translation, they, it just simply says like, this man blasphemes. You know, they're saying, how dare you claim to be God? It, it was interesting what, what yours said. Read it Read it from your translation. That's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Yeah, exactly. So they get all up in arms and they're like, oh, this is blasphemy. How dare you? Oh, you know, and in this, this time, blasphemy is a sin that, 
uh, like blasphemy is definitely a sin in the Bible. Um, and in, you know, the civil stoning, that's not a stoning yeah, um, it's sin. Stone, like it, it results in death. Like yeah. if, if you are found guilty of blaspheming, um, you you can be dead. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, how did Jesus respond to this? You know, would think like, oh, gentle Jesus. Did he, you know, give them a short, you know, Bible study? Did he sit down with them and have fellowship? No. Look what he says. He says, um, well, the thing is, um, it says it isn't just what they said, but he knows exactly what they're thinking. So yes. he's reading into their hearts as well. So yeah. that would be um saying, hang on, who is this man? Yeah. Knows what we're thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he he sees the situation for what it is. He sees that yep. that they're trying to call out his authority, in spite of knowing who. As we mentioned before, like Jesus is already famous by this point. People know who he is. People have been seeing the miracles he's been doing, and now they they're persistent in trying to call him out. And his response in verse four, my Bible well, see, says, "Just previously cast out demons out of pigs." Oh so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. yeah. He's, He's, he's definitely got a reputation about him. But I love how, you know, the scribes, they they accuse him of blaspheming, again, a, a penalty that results in death. And Jesus' response is, why do you think evil in your hearts? Like, immediately just calls these guys out. Like, scribes, were, scribes had high standing in 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 society. They were literate. They were connected to religious leaders. Many of them were religious leaders. And Jesus is like, why are you so evil? Yeah. Whew. So he goes straight to the heart of the matter. There's no yeah. holding back or being, oh, well, I'm going to just sort of tone it down just a little bit and try yeah. to be nice. No, I'm going to call this what it is. Wow. <laughs> so we see just here, like, and, and obviously an amazing miracle follows this, and the, and the paralytic man is healed, his sins are forgiven, he goes on, and, and it says here, many people are swept, as, as you said in your Bible, with fear almost. Yep. Um, with fear, fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen, and they praised God for sending a man with such great authority. Yeah. They, they, the crowd was starting and beginning to understand, like, who Jesus really is. Um, that okay, this guy's legit. Like not he, he, you know, they would have in their minds the story of Elijah, right? A bunch yep. of people claiming to be from God. Uh, you know, when they have the showdown on Mount Carmel, and uh, you know, all these people versus Elijah, and they're all doing fo- false worship. He was doing true worship, and we saw the result of that. That it was ultimately Elijah who can call down fire from heaven um, because he's yep. truly worshiping worshiping the real God. You know, you can't just make claims that you can heal people and forgive them, and then not do it and have everyone believe you. That's right. That's but right. Jesus, he walks the talk here, and they're like, oh, man, this guy must be legit. He has to forgive sins. He can also heal people. Yeah. But then he follows that. So he's like, oh, man, this is the son of God. He follows that with the next section of Matthew chapter 9. Do you want to read from probably verse 9 to 13? Yep, verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth, Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his house as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Mm. So Jesus has just done this miracle in front of everyone, healing the paralytic man, claiming to be God, having contention with the scribes, and people are like, 
oh man, this guy must be like the son of God. And yep. and obviously, you know, they're starting to get that sense at least they have he has great authority. You know, that would be followed by if you did that, their understanding would be, okay, so is he gonna walk to King Herod's house now and and put it, on and take him on. <laughs> is he going to join the Sanhedrin now? Like, is if he's got so much authority, is he going to become a religious leader, a Pharisee, or a zealot? Yeah. Or but he follows that up with hanging out with <laughs> Matthew and the tax collectors. And in your Bible, it says that the, the people considered as like the, the scum. scum. <laughs> so, so Matt, he calls Matthew. Then Matthew calls his mate. Says, "Hey, look who I found. He's my best mate now." And so yeah. all these all these um, tax collectors says, yeah. "And the scum of the earth." turn up to a party, and Jesus is there. Jesus is there. And again, the reason like why they're, they're considered as, as scum or, or whatever it may be is because these are, these are sellouts to, to, to the Jews, essentially. Yep. That's, these are Rome. They collect, these are Jewish people that collect taxes for Rome. They're oppressors. And they're like, these guys are the worst sellout, traitor, terrible, evil people ever. They're, they're not even considered as Jewish. Their families don't want to associate with them. Well, like, what, they, what they did was not just um, collect for taxes. Um, the story of Zacchaeus tells us they also took some for themselves oh, as well. Yeah. They heavily <laughs> exploited the people as well. So they used their position to exploit others. Like, these were not people who were fondly looked upon. You don't go to a party if they're on the guest list. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you know, it's a party then full of thugs and people, like, they had very low, um, yeah, they had high status, but low reputation. Social outcasts. Yeah. And Jesus is the guy, like, of all people, the one who has just commanded authority, is doing miracles, who is fighting with the scribes, you know, claiming to be God and not blaspheming and all this stuff. He's the one who shows up. And it's like the Pharisees here, they're just, they're just, their minds are boggled. They're starting to get mad. They're like, why do you, be, why are you with these people? And he says, I want you to show mercy, not mm. offer sacrifices. He's quoting scripture there. Yeah, wow. Um, so, this, well, this is what I'm all about. Um, yeah, you, you guys going off your sacrifice if you like, but I'm here to show mercy. Mm. But again, we see this light. Like, Jesus is doing amazing, loving, incredible things here. But again, he is not living outside of the realm of contention. No. He's very much inviting it. He's he, putting himself right in the middle of it, in the middle of the party. He's hitting it head on too. He's, he's not even just doing it and then just being silent. He's, he then speaks to the problems as well. As soon as he's accused, he has an answer to people who very well have the power to muster up and would in the future muster up a force mm, against mm. Jesus to kill him. Like again, He doesn't seem to care about that. He's, he's obviously on a bigger mission. He does not care. This is followed, then, we see from verse 14 to 7. Just read verse 14 for us. 14. So this is straight after what we just talked about. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Mm, So even the disciples of John, I just want to mention this briefly, that essentially, like, there was even amongst people who were following Jesus and the disciples of John who supported Jesus's ministry, there was theological contention as well and contentions of orthodoxy. Really, really interesting. Now we're going to come back to this. You're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith FM positively different. Oh, I love that verse too. Worship him. who made the sea. You know? It's a oh, classic verse. So it's a classic good. verse from a classic book. So good. All right, let's continue with our Bible study. So we've just been seeing how contentious Jesus yeah. is. And I was just saying to you before, Lawson, um, mm. in my Bible, it's got red where Jesus talks, 
It's interesting mm. in these chapters just to, like Matthew fleshed it out with context and yeah. where he was and what he was doing and he tries to bring it down slightly, I think, with, with the context and things. Yeah. But if you just read the red with Jesus talking, it's pretty outrageous and contentious yeah. what he's, he's calling it out for all it is. Yeah. Well, at this point, what I want to do, so we've seen what's going on in chapter 9, which is essentially Jesus is traveling around, healing, preaching, teaching, and causing contention pretty much everywhere he goes. Like, yep. um, And it's not needless either. He's doing the work of God. He's standing for the truth. And clearly God is with him. The spirit He's is blessing He's a man him. on a mission. <laughs> he is a man on a mission. But because of the, the social context that you have in Jerusalem at the time, people are there are groups of people who are really offended, hurt, whatever it may be. Um, and we kind of go through, you know, then to the end of chapter 9 and chapter 10, where chapter 10 is, is a great big sermon there. Um, and, you know, sending out the apostles to do ministry and whatnot. And we ultimately come down to chapter 11 and verse 20. This is after a bunch of ministries being done, a bunch of traveling's being done. Um, and they've gone to a bunch of cities. They've preached a message. Some have accepted, some have not. And uh, this is Jesus' response to that. So let's start in chapter it's, it's almost like chapter a, 11, 20. Let's read like 20 to 24. It's, it's like almost a Facebook rant here. Let's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is heavy. So this is like, he's, yes, he's done all this work. Now this is what he's going to say. Mm. Verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and mm. turned to God. This is Jesus talking now. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethesda? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, the people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. Mm. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honoured in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it will still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on Judgment Day than you. (laughs) So now, (laughs) this is like the most hectic, most offensive thing like he could say about people groups. You know, like... Uh, we're, we've been talking about the Olympics. Pretty, yeah. pretty patriotic of Australia. Yeah, Lyle <laughs> Hayes. I don't know. He, he's not here, so that's good. Um, my dad, my dad is like the most patriotic person. He's like from Newcastle, where we're broadcasting from at the moment. He's from Toronto. And yep. to him, like, his like steps of, of allegiance. It goes Toronto, Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia, and maybe Earth if it comes to it. But essentially, like, he is, like, so, like, patriotic. And just like many of these, like, Jewish are incredibly patriotic people too. Yeah. You know, particularly of their towns, of their tribes, whatever it may be. And if you came to my dad and started, like, just saying absolute... New South Wales is total rubbish. Yeah, and, this yeah, is. They, they like, lost the last his game. Blood and... will boil. <laughs> he he was he was happy to see Queensland win because he he already felt like a winner. Um, but yeah, his blood would boil, and these people as well. They're like anyone listening to this from this town, like would be flipping out, like they would be losing it because this is like to say 
that these cities are like Sodom and Tyre and Sidon. They're the worst. Like they know those towns, and they're, they're the ones that have been judged and are the worst Liter- of the worst of the worst. Literally, they've been destroyed by God, yeah. fire from heaven. Like these are to say that towns are like that means that like you are the worst of worst sinners. Like you deserve judgment. And you know, for this, this is a really real reality for Jews, and they're like. You're calling. You're saying it's like worse for you in the judgment than those people. <laughs> but Jesus follows this up. He continues in verse twenty-five, and let's let's now read it. Verse twenty-five. To so he's just on the rant now. Twenty-five. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. So now he's he's turning back to the prayer. Mm-hmm. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. And for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it is pleased you to do this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Mm. Okay, so we have a, a brief initial period here where Jesus starts to pray. He starts to reflect on the time that he's had in these places where he's like, oh, you know, people didn't accept. But those who were weak in the faith, you know, those who were back, those who were literally young too, you know, as yep. we talked about the tax collectors earlier, they're the ones who have decided to accept, you know, these people who are vulnerable, like praise the Lord. But then we come to verse 28. And then Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, Mm. and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I want to make an application out of this. Just a brief one. We, we, We have a couple minutes left in our Bible study. And just from the example that's been given here, you know, Jesus has said, and as we started off this Bible study, come to me and I'll give you rest. And the amazing thing about that is that Jesus identifies that there is problems in the world. Yeah, he's called called some of those out. And he's he's called them out. He's caused them. Like, he's, yeah, Jesus sees, like, there is contention, there is strife. Um, And he offers a rest. And you know the most interesting thing about this rest is that the rest that he offers isn't a rest from these problems because as he is living, as he is working, he is constantly facing them. But the rest that he offers is in spite of these problems. That's right. Which is, I think the most powerful, amazing thing that could be offered to us. It's not that Jesus pulls us away from our problems, you know, sits us up on an Island and just makes everything easy. You know, feeds us, you know, uh, Juice and coconuts and just <laughs> we just chill out, you know. No, he says, there are serious problems in the world. I face them every day. This is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Those who are weary, heavy burden, you know, heavy laden, full of burdens, you can come to me. If you're feeling that way rest. right now, this is the place to go. 100%. And I feel like we could all talk about, you know, our, our experience just in the last week and say, oh, man, I felt so burdened or overcome or, or whatever it may be. There are so many people in our world feeling this way. And as we've been going on about rest, why are so many people so restless? Why are so many people struggling so much just to find rest? Well, I feel like we're starting to see the answer here. Come Let's to Jesus. go to Christ. He will give us rest. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. 
positively different. All right, it is now time for question of the day. <laughs> I love that jingle. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so good. Shout out Liam. Uh, yes, yes, him. Featuring on the show every single day. All right. Uh, the question of the Darren, day is what we've got today is, and one has been asked a lot lately, is the pandemic the end of the world? Okay, so big question. Of course, we are going to answer this from a, from a biblical perspective and, and in relationship to the Bible. You know, um, many Christians feel as though, oh, we're seeing these great, uh, you know, disease going on, pandemic. Is this, is this the end? Well, it's just, it's just raging around and around the world, yeah. this thing. And then various variants come out and they just get control of one variant. Then it yeah. gets even worse and affects different people. And it, it, is it going to stop? Well, and, and I guess the question is, is this the thing that ends the world? Well, we're going to see. Let's read in the Bible. I'm going to read Matthew 24. Essentially, what's going on in Matthew 24, in Matthew 23, Jesus describes a bunch of crazy things going on. Uh, well, he, you know, calls out, calls out a bunch of scribes and Pharisees, firstly. Yep. Um, but then talks about, you know, destruction that will come, just temples being destroyed, all these kinds of things. And his disciples come to him and they say, hey, when is this stuff going to happen? And then Jesus gives what many people refer to as the signs of the times or the signs of the ends. And it says this in verse uh, six, it says, for you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all of these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, that word there, beginning of sorrows, well, basically identifies a bunch of signs. And then he says, all of these will be the beginning of sorrows. These will be the signs that will show us the end is coming near. And Jesus goes on in the passage to explain that. Now, it uses the word sorrows there. That word sorrows is actually translated in the Greek as birth pains. Ah, the beginning of birth pains. The beginning of birth pains. And I now I've never given birth. I have never uh, had that experience. I've also, you know, never been, uh, you know, I'm, I don't have children, essentially. But if there's one thing I know is that when birth pains come, they start out light and far apart. And then they, you know, contractions. And then they increase in frequency and intensity. intensity. And the last movements are rapid. Are uh, rapid, yes. And so what we see then with these signs is that these will th- these are things, and if we read here, you know, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, and wars, these are things that have always existed. But when Jesus comes back, they are things that will increase in intensity and frequency. And I can definitely say for earthquakes, I can definitely say for um, wars, we the have of wars, hundred percent. We have seen the proliferation of that, the increase of that over the last one hundred years. But in pestilences, it's been the same thing. Um, interestingly, I, I've, I've got a um, an article here in front of me. It says, in summary, since nineteen eighty, new human pathogen species have been discovered at an average rate of three. Now, this is an unprecedented rate of finding new pathogens. Pathogens. 1980. Yep. Since 1980, this is a huge mm. amount. But further than that, it says almost 75% of these pathog- pathogens found since 1980 have been virus species. Mm. Now, this is important because it, that only represents 14% of 
pathogens itself. Wow. But 14% of pathogens are viruses, but all of these new viruses are the ones that are being found now. And what this displays to me quite clearly is that we are is seeing, and, and with the pandemic itself, we are seeing an increase of viruses and what it says pestilences here, which is another yep. word for virus and disease. We are seeing an increase of viruses in our time that is unprecedented. Yes, we've had viruses in the past, but we're currently experiencing a pandemic. And I believe we are going to, and what the statistics are showing... This is one of many. This yep. is one of many. We're going to continue to see that as the world goes forward, and we are then a are going to see Jesus come. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.